1: Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Peristyle Podcast. This is our Trojan Blast recruiting edition of the Peristyle Podcast. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to be all about Gerard Martinez, Gmart Live, as you can find him on Twitter. So we're going to talk to Gerard all about USC football recruiting. Obviously, we're counting down towards signing day, February 1st, the first Wednesday in February, the traditional day that the national letters of intent can be signed all across this country for college football and USC is going to bring in a great class we'll have to see it's going to be limited with numbers with the scholarship sanctions but there's going to be some interesting signings and lots of drama going on between now and signing day so we welcome in Gerard Martinez to help us through and kind of make sense of all this chaos what's going on Gerard how are you
2: I'm doing good I don't know if I can make sense of the chaos but I'm doing fine
1: well good (laughs) there is a lot of chaos and uh We do have a ton of questions to get to. Some of them are similar, so we'll try to lump them together. But if you have questions for us or any comments, we'd love to get your emails, podcast at uscfootball.com. Or give us a call, 206-888-6755. You can leave us a voicemail there. We're actually going to be adding... So this week, so after the show, there should be a new feature on com. It might not be up when you downloaded this, but by next week when we put the podcast up, you'll be able to leave a of a voicemail or not really a voice uh, like a voice recording right on the peristylepodcast.com page so you won't even have to call in so we'll make it a little easier for you to ask some voice questions because we love to get those you can hear your voice and you can he- you can hear it yourself on peristylepodcast.com but um, Gerard we got a ton of questions to get to maybe just before we get into all that how you doing? Are you, you holding up okay? you getting much sleep?
2: <laughs> I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, it's uh, recruiting, and it's uh, getting into mid to late January, so there's crazy things happening and and 18-year-old kids trying to make uh, very difficult decisions. And uh, there's all kinds of variables to be on top of. But uh, USC had a big recruiting weekend. Uh, January 13th brought in uh, 11 different prospects, Uh, quite a few committed guys, but uh, five uncommitted guys as well. So it was a pretty big weekend. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of fans out antsy for, you know, more verbal commitments. But uh, they have to understand that uh, this is a class of 15 for 2012. We're beyond – really beyond the early signing period in terms of getting uh, new commitments that are early signers. So right now you're looking more at that 2012 class that's going to sign on signing day, and uh, there are few rides, and USC's got to be very careful as to uh, who they can take and who they want to take and, you know, who's going to be available on signing day. So right now I think there's definitely a sorting out period uh, going on.
1: Okay, well, I guess we can jump into these questions. We'll do our best to be rapid fire but maybe the biggest news of the week uh this has to do with our first question gerard and this is our friend miguel he hasn't jumped off the ledge or anything so miguel we're glad you're okay we thought you were a little depressed and there was a lot of tweets about you last week but i'm glad you're okay he's coming in with another question for us gerard
2: hey ryan it's miguel i got a question for gerard i want to know um with the news of tosh LePoy going to uh washington how's that going to affect his class um You know, um, that is a pretty big move, and I think it's going to affect a lot of schools in the Pac-12. I want to know what Gerard's take was on that um, for USC. Thank you very much, and fight on. Tosh Lapoy. now trending on Twitter. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that was definitely big news uh, in the Pac-10 and in the Pac-12 region in general, I think that uh, Lapoy obviously being a very good recruiter and having, you know, put together a pretty good class there at Cal before he left. When you leave at this point in time in the recruiting process, it's it's pretty tough to be able to either, you know, bring those guys over to the school that you're going to or necessarily keep those guys at the school you are at. And I think for Cal, we're really starting to see that class kind of start to fall apart a little bit. I don't think it's going to be devastating for them. I I think, you know, there's a lot of uh, probably chicken little going on right now with the Cal fan base, and it would be the same thing if Ed Ergeron decided to pick up and leave right now for USC. But I think, you know, a lot of those kids that are committed to Cal, I think are committed to Cal because of the academics and uh, because a lot of the reasons they like the school, not necessarily because of one coach the one big lot loss that they already have in the books right now is Ellis McCarthy he switched from uh, being committed to Cal over to UCLA last night and after you know his dad kind of said you know he's not going to just commit to a school because of one single coach Ellis basically said yeah I committed to Cal because of Tosh Lapoy, and he's not there anymore so I don't want to go to Cal anymore does he really want to go to UCLA is the question that everybody asks and, uh, you know, he hasn't really said uh, or been quoted by anyone as to why he's gone and committed to UCLA over Cal or committed to UCLA over any other school for that matter. So, you know, that remains to be seen. USC is still actively recruiting him. Uh, Operation
1: uh, Gaiden,
2: as we're calling it, is still uh, in effect, and we'll try to get more details on that. But uh, right now, you know, him... Uh, Ellis McCarthy going to UCLA was, was a little bit predictable. It seemed like everything was kind of being lined up for him to eventually end up at UCLA, regardless of whether Tosh LePoy was leaving Cal or not. So LePoy going to Washington doesn't really affect USC too much directly. A lot of people have asked about Zach Banner, the 6'9", 310-pound, uh, now 5-star offensive tackle from Lakewood, Washington.
1: He's number 16 in the country, Gerard. He, He moved up all the way to number 16 in the Rivals 100 that was released today.
2: Indeed, and and that's just because he had such a good week in San Antonio, which we reported from, you know, the first day down there, just him and his uh, performance and just, you know, kind of how he carried himself. And I've seen him play quite a few times now in person, and he gets better and better every time I see him play. And, you know, I've, I've thrown around that Jonathan Ogden uh, comparison. And uh, that's a lofty comparison, but I think, you know, mainly it's just you're looking at a guy who's really played a lot of basketball and fundamentally he's just not there yet. But in terms of potential and raw athleticism and ability, he's pretty amazing Uh, for a guy to be 6'9 and be able to move like that and just look comfortable. He doesn't look... Like, he's awkward out there, and I think a lot of people uh, nationally, you know, the guys back east got out to the west practices a lot this year because the east in the morning were doing some walkthroughs at the lobby. So there's really nothing to watch there, so they came over to the west, and so those guys got a lot of exposure on the west army All American team, and Zach Banner was one of those guys that impressed a lot of people. Um, so uh, good to see him move up to a five-star ranking, um, and, and now people are, are a little afraid. Guys like Miguel, <laughs> a little afraid that Toss Lapoie, now ace recruiter with Washington, is going to swoop up Zach Banner. Um, Zach Banner is looking at Washington. He's looking at Oklahoma. and He's looking at USC. Those are his final three. Uh, but it's not necessarily going to be, a, I think, a major impact on his recruitment that Lapoy's at Washington. Um, I think obviously Washington is is showing that hey, you know, we want to get. Better coaches fired um, the whole defensive staff after giving up that basketball score to Baylor and Alamo Bowl, and so that you know that's obviously trying to prove to guys like Banner, hey, you know we want to win here at, at Washington and not be mediocre. Uh, but at the same time, Tosh Lapoy was not recruiting Banner at Cal. Banner really eliminated Cal pretty early in the process, and Tosh Lapoy is a defensive line coach, not an offensive line coach. So in terms of that specifically, I don't think you're really looking at, uh, you know, a huge impact on his recruitment. Um, you know, USC is still expecting him to officially visit January 27th, um, and it's going to be interesting to kind of see how that shakes out with that being so close to signing day. That weekend was originally scheduled uh, as, a, as, a, as kind of a bye weekend for recruiting for USC, kind of putting a gap between signing day and and, and recruiting a lot of these out state guys. I think, you know, Lane Kiffin really wanted to just kind of have a weekend where they could kind of sit back and say, okay, wait, 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 this is where we're. This is where we are. These are the guys we think we're going to get. Let's let's you know make sure we kind of focus on this and, and you know we don't have anybody out there taking visits that's commit that are committed and we don't have to worry about a bunch of guys coming in this weekend. Well, I think thing has sort of started to change, you know, when Ellis McCarthy committed to Cal, and there started to be some movement there with some other guys at the Army All-American Bowl. Now, it's a little more like, okay, we need to use every weekend we can to be able to get uh, some recruits in and to be able to sway some guys. And you will see, as you've seen in previous years, there are going to be some recruits that will not sign on signing day. Stephon Diggs is one of those guys, a five-star, six-foot, 180-pound uh, receiver uh, from Maryland, uh, one of the you know top players uh, at the Army All-American practices that we saw. a Very dynamic receiver. He's talked about visiting USC still. He was supposed to come in January 20th. Uh, now he's kind of moved that date back into. We'll see if we visit USC, but he's not going to sign on signing day uh, as of now he's talking about signing after signing day and that could be you know that's kind of been with some of the top players the trend and we'll see if there's going to be a few players floating around on signing day that may not actually sign and it may not be a bad thing for USC because it starts to spread out you know the time a little bit and if all of a sudden they're not able to hit that 15 mark on signing day and it's got to you know you're trying to hit an exact number which you know, people don't realize a lot of teams don't do that. A lot of schools don't hit 25 exact commits right on signing day. Uh, there's usually, you know, maybe a scholarship left or maybe, you know, there's there's a couple scholarships left. You, P. Carroll used to do it all the time. You know, you have 20 and they sign 18. USC can't do that. They really need to get every 15 that they can. And so on signing day, if there's a couple guys left over, that's going to maybe give them a chance to continue to recruit some guys. They haven't had much luck on you know, signing guys outside of signing day. Obviously, Chantrelle uh, Henderson, the big offensive lineman that um, they did get a letter of return from, and then he ended up going to Miami anyways because of the sanctions. Uh, so they haven't had a whole lot of luck. You know, Orson Charles tied in, ended up at Georgia. Um, there's been a few different guys that uh, have been post-signing day guys that uh, have have been able to slip away. But still, it gives this coaching staff a little more time to maybe work on a guy at the last minute if they come up, you know, 14 commitments on signing day uh, and they, you know, they're still looking for another guy.
1: All right. Uh, well, Miguel, we're, we're happy you're okay. That's good stuff. We have one more voicemail question and we're going to get to, I think we have about three pages of other questions. A lot of repeats though, so we won't get to every single one. But here's uh, one more voicemail question for you.
2: Yeah, my name is uh, Andrew from San Diego, California, long-time SC fan. I just had a question about Tosh Lupoy leaving Cal for Washington how does that set up for the rest of the uh, Cal commits on the D-line, like uh, Ellis McCarthy and possibly Aziz Shitu. I was wondering if they could possibly turn back to SC
0: now. Thank you.
2: Along the lines of the same question, I'll add that uh, people about talked to him last night, and um, he's you know, 6'2", uh, 270, 75-pound defensive tackle at this point you know a lot of people were talking about him as being the defensive end but he's looking more and more like uh, christian uh, tupo to me and, and and very similar in terms of his build and kind of i think the way he would fit in at usc and you know it's an impact for him and cal uh, cal was only really a real choice for him because it's close he knows some of the players on the team and his mom wants to keep him close to home Dad's a big SC fan, and Lane Kiffin went up there for an in-home visit Sunday night and dad was just like, hey, I want him to go to USC, I want him to go to USC, and P.O., I think, wants to go to USC. Uh, Unfortunately, his mom was not on that uh, in-home visit, and she was at work that night, and so uh, they're going to come down January 20th here, this Friday, and they're going to have their official visit with USC. That's going to be their last official visit, and from what P.O. tells me, uh, the whole family's coming down, so that's going to be, you know, USC's a uh, real kind of last stand to, to be able to sew up that commitment. And um, it sounds like, you know, he's still USC's to lose. It's just a matter of uh, kind of calming any fears that mom has. But I think for PO himself, Tosh Lapoy leaving is a big deal. Uh, I mean, that's the guy that he, he likes and would like to play for, and I think Washington is too far away from home for him. So I, I think, you know, that's a significant one. And Aziz Shittu, uh, who's the five-star defensive end slash defensive tackle, really a hybrid, a guy that can play both. Um, another guy who was very impressive at, at the Army on American practices uh, last week. He's another guy that uh, I think the Cal uh, losing Tosh Lapoy impacts his recruitment I always kind of felt he'd end up back at Stanford, and he has been admitted to Stanford, so I think Stanford's kind of still the team to beat without him saying that. Um, but USC, in home visit with him, haven't been able to track him down and talk to him about that in home visit. Um, he's been pretty low key, um, surprisingly. Uh, throughout this late period of the recruiting process, he kind of opened up the recruiting process as being a guy that was talking and saying everything, and seemed to to really uh, like the attention. But he's kind of been a lot more reserved uh, since the Army All American Bowl, and uh, which is a, you know not a bad thing. And now you know he's he's looking at USC. He also will be officially visiting USC January twentieth this weekend, and so uh, we'll see you know how USC is able to make some moves with him. Obviously, with McCarthy going to UCLA. USC still on him, but that seems like uh, it's going to be a really tough pull uh, just with uh, the circumstances around his recruitment. You know, as he shit to is a guy that's uh, very talented. You know, maybe USC gets uh, another sh- real shot at him because a lot of people felt like he, he was going to stay up in Northern California. If it wasn't going to be Stanford, it would be Cal. But Lapoie leaving, I think uh, it really does affect Cal's you know, chances with him.
1: All right. So we got most of that stuff out of the way.
2: I think we killed the. Top. I think we've done Tosh Laporte yeah. at every angle possible with Tosh Laporte at this point.
1: I'll try to mention people that ask more questions, but we won't go into them since we we covered that a lot. Um, we'll try to. Uh, well, maybe we'll do a little rapid fire. What do you think, Gerard? We we'll, we'll try. We can only try. We can only try. Um, Rich in uh, San Rafael wants to know. He says he loves the co- the podcast and recruiting blast. Can you ask Gerard to outline what happens when a recruit visits USC? on an official visit? How do they spend their time? Who do they meet with? etc.?
2: Wow. Okay. Roughly, uh, they get to campus and they tend to meet the coaches, you know, right off the bat and, and talk with them a little bit. Um, they're going to do some, yeah, some SAS stuff, some, some, um, just some academic support, uh, talk with the academic advisors and the tutors, and they take them through kind of that process of, you know, when you have classes, this is kind of the schedule you have, and then you go to the tutors. Um, they obviously eat a lot on an official visit. That's kind of a main thing because, you know, everybody likes to kind of hang out, talk, and eat. And, um, you know, these kids can all eat, so they, they go out to dinner. Um, you know, they, they've gone out to McKay's. They've gone out to Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, uh, Beaches. Um, there's been a few different places. I think they went out to the yard house one year and they ended up on going up to the, to the, to the roof of, of the building or something and looking at LA. I remember, you know, there's been so many different stories from so many different recruits and different coaches, you know, kind of do different things depending on the time of the year. You know, Lane Kiffin has kind of a different routine than Pete Carroll. Um, you know, I'm not going to etch out the, uh, the whole, you know, day by day plan of what they do. Um, but, uh, it's, it's really just a lot of meetings and if there's not a game, and it's more about the relationship that they have with the coaches and being around the coaches and staying with the coaches. You know, the kids go out and they hang out with their hosts, the players, and they go out and they do little parties and they go down to the row and, uh, you know, do that kind of Friday night, Saturday night thing. Um, but a lot of the time during the day is spent, you know, with the coaches, just talking with the coaches. And I think that's why USC, with Pete Carroll and with Lane Kiffin, majority of their official visits have been – Towards the end of the year, after the season, because I think they want to have that one-on-one time with these recruits, and so you get a lot of schools that like to, you know, have all these recruits come with big games. Notre Dame being an example where they have, you know, twenty odd kids show up uh, for the game against USC. The visit tends to kind of circle around that game itself and the game atmosphere and the preparation for the game. And that can be a big selling point. But, you know, as I've always said, I think I say this almost every podcast that we have, USC's best recruiting tool, um, the last two coaching staffs have been the coaches themselves. So, you know, they're trying to sell themselves and say, listen, you know, this is this is what I bring to the table. Let's go in, you know, to the meeting room with, you know, if there's a few DBs on the official visit like there was last weekend. Tracy Howard, number one cornerback in the nation. Um, Ke- Kevon Seymour, uh, right up there is one of the best cornerbacks in the nation already committed to USC. And then you've got uh, you know, uh, Devin Bogart, who is a uh, top safety prospect who's committed to Ohio State that came kind of surprisingly under the radar uh, for an official visit to USC last weekend. You get those three guys on a visit, you know, they go in to the meeting room with Monty Kiffin, and Monty Kiffin starts breaking down film and starts talking to them about this is how you're going to be used. This is who we have here right now, and this is why we think that either A, you can compete for a starting job, or B, this is why we think you're better, and you're going to be able to be here and be successful at USC in this scheme. So they really break it down, and they, and they get into the, the – the, the specifics of things, they're on an official visit. It's much more detail-oriented. Um, you know, When you come in on an unofficial visit, obviously everything is not paid for like it is in an official visit, but you're also kind of getting a glance view of, hey, this is USC. Here's the trophies. Here's the tradition. Great to meet you. You know, Football team's over here. Hang out. Have a good time. But when you're on an official visit, it's much more focused. And, and when you get into the football aspect even of it, regardless if there's a game or not, you know, the coaches are going to really break down exactly where you fit into in the grand scheme of things. And that's important because certainty is always a big part of the comfort level with these recruits. And you'll see time and time again in the articles that I write, kids are looking for that comfort level. I mean, that is just a phrase that is synonymous with recruiting. Uh, comfort level, comfort level, comfort level. And I think certainty and, and, a, and a recruit feeling like he has a plan and a blueprint going into that school that's pretty much what's going to kind of lay the groundwork for him being comfortable at that school.
1: All right. Uh, thanks for that one, Rich. And Ron had the same question, Gerard. So you answered both of those. That's great. Bam, uh, bam, knockout two with two one, st- two birds, one stone. Uh, you're listening to the Trojan Blast Recruiting Podcast. We are talking with Gerard Martinez, USC national recruiting analyst. He no one knows more about USC recruiting than Gerard. So we're getting to a lot of your questions on. USC recruiting as we get down towards signing day. Here's one from Chico Gerard. Uh, he said he wants to know about Josh Shaw. He understands he's a redshirt freshman. If his waiver gets approved, would he be able to play next year as a redshirt, redshirt sophomore? If he has to sit out a year, would he be a redshirt sophomore or lose a year of eligibility and be a redshirt junior? And he gave a PS saying that um, there was a question about Levon Coleman from Lompoc, California and missing out Napoleon Kaufman, who also played at Lompoc. Um, Chico says he played with Napoleon Kaufman, and his son currently plays with LeVon. Tell Gerard that Santa Barbara County is not the boonies. So that was uh, chi- <laughs> that's Chico's message to you, Gerard.
2: It is not the boonies, although it's the boonies. It might as well be another state for me. I mean, I live in Chino, Chico. So, yeah, that's way, I mean, that's just not, and it's just not necessarily uh a uh, place where you're getting a ton of uh, you know football players coming from Lompoc. So when somebody starts asking about a junior from Lompoc, and I just I haven't seen him yet, you know, <laughs> so uh, that's kind of where that was coming from. Uh, no offense to people in Santa Barbara County, um, but uh, going back to the question of uh, what was the original question? <laughs> what did you see he threw me off already. Oh, I'm sorry
1: about Josh Shaw. Uh, if he Josh
2: Shaw, yeah, 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 Josh Shaw. Okay, so Josh Shaw, you can tell how we really script this, right? And we really yeah. go through these questions before we get on the air. We do not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joshua. Yeah, uh, transferred to USC officially. He's enrolled in school already, so there's no worries there. I know a lot of people, and you get those early signees, and they're going. What are they on campus? You know, that's and that's like the freshman too in June. You know, it's like, hey, they're all committed, they're all signed, but are they on campus? And when they're on campus. What are they doing on campus? So uh, at this point, Josh Shaw is, is good to go. He is a Trojan, um, and he is a going to be a redshirt sophomore this year. He did burn his redshirt freshman. Um, season at florida and then played as a redshirt freshman last year at florida and he actually started three or four games for florida he he actually played quite a bit for florida uh last year um so he is trying to petition or usc is trying to petition uh for him to get a waiver so he does not have to sit out uh this year um as per rules if you transfer uh from school to school normally they're going to make you sit out a year just to prevent you know basically a free agency type thing, you know, every year, kids going back and forth, and so, you know, Josh is coming back home to be close to home because his grandpa is ill and uh, sounds, you know, like it's pretty serious, and uh, his father is also um, evidently, you know, had uh, a knee injury, he's going to have to probably get reconstructive knee uh, surgery, and that may be even more significant on his life and his family's life, just because he runs a landscaping business. And so, you know, Josh has actually had to come back home, and and kind of taken over the family business to some extent. Um, he's had to kind of run things and, and make sure everybody's kind of uh, doing what they are sh- supposed to do uh, in terms of labor. He's not going to have you know be hands on like that when he's in school, uh, but he is going to be commuting back and forth still. So he's trying to get the waiver. You know whether he'll get it or not remains to be seen. The NCA can be pretty stingy about these waivers. Um, so you know if he's not able to get a waiver, he will have to sit out this year, and of course he already burned his red shirt, so he's just basically sitting out an eligible year. He will come back. Uh, Red shirt junior year when he 's eligible, so he basically has um, two to play two, which is similar to Gerald Bowman um, in terms of in terms of the amount of years he 's able to play I mean G- Gerald Bowman comes in four star safety uh, from Woodland Hills, one of the top players in junior college actually, I think he was ended up the season at the end of the season ranked the number one junior college prospect in the nation by Rivals.com. so obviously, another very good player. He, if he doesn't, you know, he's got a redshirt to burn. If he doesn't play this year, then he ends up playing as a redshirt junior too. So they're pretty much on the same, you know, path in terms of how much eligibility they have to play if Josh Shaw is not given that waiver. Um, Now with that out of the way, let's break down these two different players. And this won't be rapid fire, but I'll try to make it as quick as possible. Josh is definitely a cover safety. He's a free safety. He's a guy that reads the quarterback, plays very well in space. He can also play corner to some extent. A lot of people have kind of made those, you know, Josh Pinkert comparisons. I don't know if I'd put him right there with Josh Pinkert. Josh was very physical, too. He was a great athlete and played well in space, especially pre-injuries but he was also a heck of a hitter and he was the guy that came up and would nail people. Shaw is not that guy right now. And I don't know, maybe, you know, they can kind of teach him to be a little more aggressive during the line of scrimmage, but his biggest knock at Florida was just being a guy who would kind of like run by the pile and not necessarily lay people out and be that kind of safety that was going to come up during the line of scrimmage and hit people. And, you know, obviously this is, I think why Josh kind of looks at himself being more as a big corner than a, a big safety. So, He's got some size though. He's about 6 195 pounds, 200 pounds. In comparison with Joe Bowman, who's about uh, six foot and a half, 205 pounds. Bowman will come up and destroy you. I mean, I've seen him play in person, and he is a guy that plays like Troy Polamalu around the line of scrimmage. Not to make a comparison to Troy Polamalu, as you know, he's as good as Troy Polamalu, who's going to make an impact like Troy Polamalu. But in terms of his style and the way he plays is definitely like Troy Palmao. He plays near line of scrimmage. He just he freelances like crazy at the, at the junior college level. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how USC uses him because that's not really the Tampa 2-type defense that USC has been playing. Granted, T.J. McDonald has definitely been able to freelance a little more, especially at the end of last year, and you saw him starting to make plays kind of on his own near line of scrimmage. So we'll see if you know maybe just the personnel you know they can adjust, but uh, you know Jaron Bowman is much more like a like a linebacker near the line of scrimmage. I mean Deion Bailey kind of another Deion Bailey you can have out there, haven't seen him play in coverage as much. He is fast, he's very quick, but we really haven't seen him play in space. So when you're looking at these two guys, completely, they're almost opposite. They're almost polar opposite type safeties uh, from what I've seen. And so it's a good get for USC, though, because they are able to get two different guys. They do do two different things, and you can kind of fit in who you need to uh, depending on you know, what you need uh, coverage-wise. And I think Josh is more of the guy that USC hasn't had uh, you know, in, in the past few years, they've really had a lot of safeties that have been big, physical guys. Kevin Ellison, um, you know, Taylor Mays, uh, TJ McDonald. You know, even Joanna Starling is not a guy that's really a single deep safety, in-space coverage guy. He's more of a guy that you want near the line of scrimmage. He's more physical. He's more attacking in nature. Uh, Shaw is actually a guy that you can put in space, and he's going to play the angles really well. Has really good ball awareness. So, yeah, kind of really polar opposite players. But... You know, if Shaw's not able to get this uh, waiver, then, you know, he's not going to be able to uh, – he's going to pr- pretty much have the same eligibility as, uh, you know, a junior college transfer would have.
1: Okay. Uh, thanks for that one, Chico. Dave Ladera Ranch wants to know, with the departures of receiver Bryce Butler and Kyle Prater, do you think it was possibly orchestrated because USC and the coaching staff have confidence in knowing they have silent commitments from some big receiver co- uh, recruits? What do you think about that?
2: you know i don't think so i think with prater it wasn't orchestrated i i you know it it's tough i don't i don't know i don't know i i i speculate that i don't think so just because i think prater has so much talent i think that it's it's a matter of just him gaining some confidence and uh, you know i think if there's one knock on uh, the coaches last year and, and how they used their personnel, I felt like there was a stretch there with the Colorado game and the Washington game. A few games where USC was pretty much dominating those teams and they didn't interject Kyle Prater into the offense at all. You know, There wasn't a lot of push to, hey, you know, let's get down on the goal line and just give this guy some passes, just throw him up some jump balls and try to get some confidence and try to get him – to you know, just have that light bulb go off, if you will. And so, you know, his major issue at USC was always just toughness and being physical and being healthy, you know, and playing to his size. I mean, he was a guy that could catch the ball, you know, jump in the air and make spectacular catches. But it seemed like when you put the pads on, he just wasn't doing those small things of blocking and 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 being able to catch, you know, really in traffic and those kind of things. He just seemed like he was you know, not real confident with uh, getting hit, uh, sort of. So, you know, I, I, but I think there was enough talent there where I just don't believe USC was going to say, hey, you're not going to play here anymore. Um, and to me, I, I feel like that's probably one that they didn't see coming. Um, now, granted, I think Bryce Butler, I think that, you know, kind of was a, a – a, a, probably had a good feeling that yeah. he was going to leave. He was leaving he no matter would,
1: what. Yeah, he told me he, he was leaving. It didn't matter.
2: Yeah, I think and, everyone and I knew think that. Yeah. coaches knew that, too. So I think the coaches, in terms of their recruiting, followed that as much as, you know, they were like, hey, you know, we don't think you're going to play here. Or they, I don't think there's a whole lot of, you know, USC, with, with a lot of these, these transfers, guys like Amir Carlisle, you know, I don't think there was this, hey, they sat down and told Amir, hey, you're not going to play at USC. You should probably transfer. I don't, I don't think that happened. I, don't, I think there's enough guys in the roster that, well, quite frankly, through injuries and, and academics that there's things going on that really, you know, people get all nervous about, hey, okay, how are they going to get under 75? How are they going to get under 75? There's just every year there's a lot of guys that end up on the roster that go from year to year that don't really – they're never going to contribute or they're not going to be there that you just leave on the roster just because I think PR-wise PR is better. You don't ruffle as many feathers. I mean, Pete Carroll had a lot of guys on the roster that never really played. And they never probably were going to play. A guy like you know, Thomas Herring is a good example of a guy that – You know, I mean, they could have probably cut him off the team two years before he graduated. But, (laughs) you know, Pete wanted to be inclusive and he recruited the guy and they wanted to try to give him a chance. But it was pretty clear for a while that he wasn't going to play at USC. Um, So I think those guys right now are the guys that now that USC is being forced to say, hey, listen, this is the truth of the matter. Patrick Hall, T.J. Bryant you're not going to play here because of injuries or because you just haven't been able to put it together here for whatever reason, and just being honest with those guys and giving those guys a chance to transfer anyways. I don't think that conversation happened with Kyle Prater I don't I, I'm almost positive that conversation didn't happen with Amir Carlisle because now you know Amir Carlisle leaving kind of puts them in a jam with you know the running back recruiting yeah there's just not a lot of good running backs out there so they're kind of scrambling a little bit in that position so yeah I, I think it's just happenstance I think you know Lane being a receiver coach at USC opposite coordinator good year for receivers. He's going to be out there looking at receivers, anyways. Now it opens up some more room, and it gives them the ability to maybe, you know, recruit some guys and and be a little more attractive. But you know, at the same time, I think the guys that they were on early, uh, before these transfers, are the same guys that they have good shots at here coming North Signing Day.
1: Okay, Uh, let's let's ratchet up the uh, rapid fire a little bit if we can, Um, just for, yeah, because we still got like a couple of questions left. JD and DC wants to know sounds like McCord, Williams and Fowler all at the army all American game have legitimate interest in USC of those three, which would you like to see in Cardinal and gold the most?
2: Wow. That's a tough question. Um, You know, I think Williams might be the biggest get only because he might be able to be more of a three technique defensive tackle. And that's kind of what USC is looking for right now. Um, you know, defensive end. You want to get a good pass rusher as well, and and McCord is blazing fast off the off, off the edge, and obviously Dante Fowler being a five star might be one of the best, if uh, not the best, defensive ends I've seen this past year, especially on film. So you kind of, I mean, you know, it's it's tough. That's a tough. That's a tough threesome to pick from, but I kind of would have to lean towards Letterman Williams just because. You know, he's already about 265, 270. You could put some more weight on him easy. He can end up being a really good three technique for you. And there you have your plan B for Ellis McCarthy.
1: Okay. Um, Patrick had a kind of question that went along, I guess, with the last one, with the, the previous one before this last one from J.D. and D.C. He said, most Trojan fans are understand the need with the sanctions to – Uh, Get it right with the recruits while at the same time you're trying to help other players that are currently on the team find a new home because of the numbers game, something you mentioned. Um, But He says, however, I'd I'd be willing to bet most of our rivals are using this over the next two years to scare away recruits. For for instance, implying that you only have one year to prove yourself and then be forced out uh, if you have not made an immediate impact. How do you think the coaches are handling this when you're trying to recruit some top-flight players?
2: It's just a matter of, of explaining the situations with each recruit. Um, you know, T.J. Bryant certainly didn't have more than one year to prove himself and you know, to, to, to be a guy that you know, could make an impact at USC. And it's not necessarily, hey, we're cutting you. You can't play here anymore because you're no good. It's, look, at, here's a situation with the players in front of you. This is where we feel we are personnel-wise, and this is where you fit in. Yes, you're at the bottom of the depth chart, and we really don't see you making an impact here. Here's an opportunity to go somewhere else. So, and then with you know a guy like Patrick Hall, um, there's players that have had injuries, significant injuries, that are going to be in that situation where you just you just you, you know because of those injuries you're not able to play to the level you were going to play at when you signed with USC. So now, in order to be able to play college football, which you know a lot of these kids just want to play, they just want to be on the field. It's just a matter of being honest and saying, look, at, you're not at that level anymore. If, you, if you're if you going to stay here, you're probably not going to play a lot. And giving them that choice. I don't think it's necessarily coming to, you can't play here, pack your bags, see you at, at Utah State. It's like, you know, basically just coming to terms with, this is the situation. And any situation is unique and is different. And as I said, the trans, some of the, a lot of the transfers here that USC's had have been from guys that have decided to go because of whatever reason, not necessarily because they've been pushed out. They left. You know? And so I, I think it's just a matter of you know, just talking about the situations, being honest and being open with it. And, um, and, it, and it pretty much speaks for itself.
1: Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Mike. He says everyone throws out the word commitment when, in fact, they are anything but a commitment, and this could change at any time. Could you give? Could you have Gerard explain how uh, how you feel about USC coaches and approaching this, given that that really they have no margin for error with the limited scholarships they have for this recruiting class?
2: It's tough. It's tough, and I do not envy the position that they're in because I talk to these kids and. You know, you have an instance like Gunnar kills the Army All-American quarterback that uh, committed to Indiana early in the year. He's from Indiana. Uh, decided, I don't want to go to Indiana anymore for whatever reason. Ended up committing to LSU just somewhere around uh, the Army All-American Bowl. And we hear now, just uh, yesterday evidently, now he's going to Notre Dame. And he's an early enrollee, so this is actually LSU was waiting for him to get on campus, and he ends up between committing – uh, during Army All American Week, and basically, you know, going on campus, he's decided, no, I don't want to go there. I'm going to Notre Dame instead. And now, supposedly, he's going to Notre Dame.
1: I think he that signed, kind of actually. Stuff, I think it's official. He signed this morning with Notre Dame, I believe.
2: Yeah. That, that's, you know, I mean, how do you predict that kind of stuff happening? You know, how do you get a hold on it? And especially when you're under the gun with a specific amount of rides that are limited. Do you do you do you plan for that? I I don't know if you totally can, and that's what I'm saying with you know some of the guys maybe you know stretching it out over signing day, and beyond. Maybe that's not such a bad thing for USC because uh, it just gives you a little more time to think necessarily if you're not at those numbers that you need to be. So I can't you know can I explain it? I can go on a tirade about the word commitment anymore and whether we should even be listing guys as verbal commitments because it does mean nothing. I mean, a guy commits in March and he's saying, Yeah, I'm committed to such and such, but I still want to take all my visits. Yeah, you know, I'm committed here. I love it. It's my dream school, but I'm going to keep it real. I'm keeping my options open. You know, this is silliness. I mean, it's just like, why do we even say that they're commits when there's nothing really about. Going there and and being you know a part of that school uh, at that point means that they're tied to that school or there's any little bond. Now, granted, there are you know recruits that that do commit early and they're like, hey, I'm done. This is my this is my school. I'm going there and I'm committing early because I want to get away from the process. I don't want all the attention. I don't want coaches calling me 24/7 during the season. Get a guy like Max Turek, who you know once he committed to USC, done. And so, the, but those guys are becoming a minority now. So it does interject the argument about you know an early signing period for those kids that are really confident and they're not just BSing people about committing to a school. Another can of worms. But so that's kind of in, in, in as quickly as I can say it what I think about committing and kind of where USC stands. It's a tough, it's a difficult situation because you do have to cut through all that craziness that uh, is happening right now and will continue happening up until. Tiny days and probably weeks beyond.
1: Okay. Um, the next few questions, we had Greg in the OC, Emily in uh, Michigan, Terry in Los Angeles all had questions that had to do with the, you know, the with Sarkeesian making that big hire up there. So sorry we didn't get to uh, those when we already addressed those, um, obviously. Um, Mitchell in Los Angeles wanted to know, he's like hundreds of people are probably asking this. But how did the big recruiting weekend go? Wasn't Aguilar or Howard on the trip? Any word on them? Any silent commits during the trip, Gerard?
0: <laughs>
2: well, if there were silent commits and I talked about them, then they wouldn't be silent anymore. <laughs> uh, like I said, USC had uh, 11... Uh, recruits on campus, and uh, quite a few guys that were committed. Uh, you know Jabari Ruffin, um, you know uh, Jordan Simmons, Kevon Seymour, um, you know Darius Rogers, which was kind of a, a big guy to get because there's been a lot of talk about him maybe going to Oregon, and and he actually tweeted that he was couldn't wait for his ASU trip uh, after he got back uh, from USC. Spoke to his mother, and she really said she they had a great trip at USC. Um, lots of the coaches felt like very comfortable with the coaches uh, again you talk about that comfort level and I think the communication is really good with his family she gave me the impression that they really probably weren't going to take that ASU trip mainly because they felt like maybe they were just going to be wasting ASU's time at this point um, so you know the, the confidence level with with Darius Rodgers is pretty high and that's a significant get right now because like you said you know you have Bryce Butler leave you have Kyle Prater leave and Darius Rodgers is I mean, he's right up there with the best receivers in the state. I mean, talent wise, he may be the best receiver in the state. He can be completely dominant when he wants to be, and really one of the best pure receivers that we've seen all year. Um, Now, there's, you know, it can be arguments with other guys as well, you know, Deontay Greenberry and and Bryce Treggs, but I think uh, Darius Rodgers is. you know, really underrated, especially by a lot of other services. I think rivals has him ranked pretty good, uh, but a lot of other services just have no clue about how good Darius Rogers really is. Um, but you had, you know, of course, the five guys that were uncommitted coming in, which were a big deal. We talked about Devon Bolgard, um, you know, the safety that's committed to Ohio State. He had a great visit. He's saying right now. He's about 75% committed to Ohio State. That's one of those guys that definitely, you know, we talk about. That that word commitment and what happens towards signing day and who's coming and who's going and what are our numbers, that's a guy that you, I just don't know. I think USC has to make some ultimatums with him and say, listen, man, by next week you're in or you're out, you know, we can't, we can't have you all the way till signing saying, well, I might go to Ohio state and you know, now I'm 60, you know, we don't want to see one of these things where, you know, he's 75% committed and then next week he's 65% committed. And all of a sudden by the time we get, you know, a few days before signing day, he's telling everybody he's 50, 50. I don't know if SC can really have that. I don't think they can really, uh, you know, be able to have a guy that's on the, on the fence like that at a position that's safety, just USC's recruiting of strong safety when you've got Josh Shaw come in and, and you've got Gerald Bowman. Um, Casey Howard talked about him number one recruit in the na- or number, number one cornerback uh, recruit in the nation. Um, came out with his mom. Mom said really good things about uh, Southern California and, and and it seemed like he had a, a very good visit as well. He's looking at Florida, LSU, and USC. Talk is he wants to go to LSU. Mom wants him to go to Florida. You know, can can USC somehow try to be, like, the compromised pick? I don't know. Distance is going to definitely be a factor with him. Uh, Anders Pete is the big six seven, 305-pound, five-star offensive tackle uh, from Tempe, Arizona. He's the guy that USC really had to circle the wagons with. I mean, of all the guys that they had this weekend, that was really the guy that was the real significant big-time recruit that they have to try to get. You know, they need offensive tackles in this class sounds like they did really good with him and uh he's been pretty quiet this far we haven't been able to get him on the phone to really talk about the visit but from what i'm hearing USC really definitely made a really good impact with him um You know, there's talk. You know, what? Who's he really down to? You know, what does it come down to? A lot of talk at Stanford's. um, You know, a school that he likes a lot, but he hasn't been admitted into Stanford. Uh, And then you have his brother at Nebraska. So we'll we'll see what goes on there. But I think Andres Pete USC definitely made some real positive moves with him this past weekend. DJ Foster, uh, according to everybody, committed over the weekend. That's not true. You can commit, uh, confirm that Sunday. Uh, but another guy that's been really hard to actually get on the phone to really get into detail about what happened with his recruitment at USC and, and kind of where he stands with things. Talking to other people, uh, not him directly, but getting from a lot of other people that are pretty good sources on it, it sounds like ASU's really kind of that team that USC's battling with and not Cal anymore. He came from his Cal visit. Said that, you know, that Cal was kind of his leader after that official visit, uh, before Christmas. Now it sounds like, you know, it's really a USC ASU battle. ASU's making a lot of coaching moves, uh, hired, uh, his, uh, his, his ex coach, a coach that was, uh, the head coach at girl High School is now going to be kind of like a, a quality control manager type, um, you know, high school li- liaison type, uh, person at ASU with the new coaching staff and you know obviously that's that plays a big role in with DJ but there might be some other coaching hires as well from ASU that are going to impact his decision um, you know after DJ flew back from his USC visit he actually drove down to have an unofficial visit for a couple hours with the ASU coaching staff so you know USC is going on their in-home visit uh tonight in fact and so you know Lane Kiffin will be in there and they'll be you know kind of trying to I guess reinforce some of the things that they talked about during uh the um the official visit but it it seems like you know ASU is definitely kind of back into it And, and he was basically going to commit to ASU at one point but um kind of kind of, you know, with just them falling apart during the end of the season and then Erickson getting fired and the whole coaching staff basically not being there anymore obviously caused pause for him and he started looking at other schools, Cal and USC, and uh, now ASU's trying to kind of get back into it. And it sounds like they might be doing the right thing to get back into it. So that's kind of the latest uh, with uh, DJ Foster. But, um, I mean, it was it was definitely, from what I understand, it was a great uh, weekend in in general. He uh, also had uh, Kyle Dotson that uh, came in from uh, um, Cleveland, Ohio, who's committed to Wisconsin. A lot of people think he's going to actually end up at Ohio State. Haven't really heard much from him. Um, and then Isaac Suamalo, who's uh, you know the big time center prospect from Portland, who's committed to Oregon State. His dad, Joe, actually coaches at Oregon State. That seems like it'd be a real tough get. But USC's been relentless. They haven't given up on him, and they've recruited the heck out of that kid. He is definitely one of the better players uh, that uh, that were, was here last weekend. So, you know, we'll see if they're able to, to, to sway that. It, it seems difficult, you know, <laughs> considering his dad is actually coaching at, at Oregon State, and he is, you know, committed to Oregon State already from Portland, but uh, doesn't seem to be uh, slowing down USC at all. So that's kind of a... As quickly as can gloss over, you know, here and kind of how it went with each guy from, from you know what I hear either from them directly or from other people.
1: Okay, Uh, and Terry mentioned he also had the question about Andres Pete, but you you talked about. But uh, I also had one on Andre Pipkins. Where does UFC stand with him? Legit shot at landing him.
2: Are we talking about Andre Pipkins or Tyrone Pigeons?
1: Pipkins and yeah, he he wrote in and apologized for the typo in his question.
2: (laughs) Uh, Andre Pipkins. At this point, we have not heard anything about Pipkins. Um, it's kind of, kind of a quiet thing, so maybe Tyrone Pigeons might be good code for uh, talking about Andre Pipkins in the near future. Um, no you know, no set-up official visit. There was a lot of talk coming from the Army All-American Week. You know, that uh, that Sunday or that uh, Saturday night when the coaches come down and they're able to be there at the hotel and they do a lot of in-home type visits uh, with the recruits uh, at the hotel that, uh, you know, Pipkins is looking to officially visit USC. Obviously, you know, he's committed to Michigan, so probably Michigan's telling him, no, you don't. Uh, you should better stay committed to Michigan and not be taking official visits this late. But, you know, we'll kind of see. That one might have to remain on the low we i don't know if we're going to be able to uh if something does happen there that we're going to be able to uh to put it out there you know as it's happening so we'll, we'll keep we'll try to keep you updated and see what happens there but um that's kind of an interesting one um in terms of uh you know what what can be reported and what may need to be like i said tyrone pigeon code
1: okay uh kevin had questions on fowler okay. should and i'm sorry
2: Okay. okay i don't you just kind of okay, sure. okay whatever i have no idea what you're talking about let's just move on no
1: that's good no it's a good <laughs> update uh kevin had questions on vituvi should do and follow we already talked about and then steve had a question on scholarships for this recruiting class does josh shaw count as an early enrollee or a scholarship from this recruiting class and also bowman enrolls in the fall and not early will this impact the scholarship count for the class um, yes. Yes. And yes. the update. And update. Yeah. So I, I'll actually start the first one, Jordan. I I got. I've been talking with USC compliance fairly regularly because there's so many questions about scholarships and counting. And if Joshua comes in, uh, I mean Joshua is in, he will count towards one of the classes, either 2011 or 2012. There seems to be some um, wiggle room, I guess you could say, where he could count. Um, but likely they would bring him in as an early enrollee and count towards the class of 2011. But because he comes in, and if he plays in the first two years, he has to be what they call an initial counter and also an overall counter. The initial counter is that 15 scholarships right now, 25 for, for all the other schools, um, and the overall counter is 75 for what USC has right now and 85 uh, for, for all the other schools. So he has to be an initial counter. If you had a walk-on that came in, and, play, and was on the team for two years and then get was given a scholarship, he would not be an initial counter. So he could just come in and it wouldn't count towards any class. And that's a lot of times why they wait a couple of years before they give walk-on scholarships, but he would still be an overall counter. So Josh does have to count. Josh Shaw does have to count for both initial and overall. And it, it likely, to me, Gerard, it seems like he would count towards 2011 and, and essentially be an early enrollee.
2: Yes, yeah, so... To retract what I think we said before, because we were told otherwise, <laughs> which shows you, you know, when you actually get different interpretations, and this is kind of how I think it works with a lot of this, you know, the NCAA rules and, and everything, and USC is kind of having to deal with new NCAA rules because of the sanctions. This is this is what happens. And so, yeah, so to retract what, probably what we said before, that it just counted on the overall 75 It it counts, obviously, for the overall 75, Josh Shaw, and and, and everybody else. But uh, Josh Shaw, the actual transfer, does also count towards a specific class. And in this case, likely because USC had room in that 2011 class, he'll count towards the 2011 be and early enrollee. Gerald Bowman, they would like to probably put on that 2011 class as well. They still have room. That would open up another spot for the 2012 class, the 15 that they're dealing with. So if he's not able to enroll in January, then he's going to have to go over to that 2012 class and enroll in May. So definitely significant there because if he's not able to get in and he's still working towards getting in, he's basically it's 27th is his deadline, uh, then he's going to get pushed over uh, to the 2012 class, so that's one less guy they're able to bring in for 2012. And so um, that's you know one less guy that they're going to be able to have on that 75 uh, limit.
1: Yeah, and we do apologize for that. I mean, we were told one thing by a USC official, and then, you know, I got this direct from compliance. So, he, you know, as of this morning, that's what he told me, that those transfers, even if it's a graduate transfer, so if a, a player graduates, he has to count as an initial counter as well. So that's uh, what the USC compliance uh, worker told me. So uh, thanks to them. for They've been really great, actually. Now that there's a lot more compliance people, I mean, uh, they've been emailing me, and when I ask questions, they give great responses, and, uh, it's been nice to to deal with them right now. Just trying to clarify what can be very <laughs> confusing. Obviously, we get a lot of questions on it. Um, Chuck in Newport Beach wants to know: Any chance USC flips the one-time commitment Jordan Payton back from Cal? Jordan appears to have the prototypical wide receiver size and speed, as well as a type of personality that would lend himself to eventually being a team leader. Plus, SC needs receivers now. Thanks, Chuck. <laughs>
2: rapid fire move on
1: so that's, so the, answer that's a no. No. the answer is no okay so sorry chuck that's <laughs> that's not happening this could be another rapid fire one nick Montana's transferring from washington would he consider usc does he have to sit out a year
2: nick montana is not transferring to usc okay. <laughs> next question
1: all right uh there was he has a Josh Shaw question about playing cornerback uh, at USC. The you, you you see him more as a safety though, right?
2: I tend to see him more as a safety. Um, different schemes, you know. At Florida, uh, they may use a little more man, so you know maybe they didn't feel as comfortable uh, with him out at corner. Uh, but he's a guy that could definitely play some nickel. So you know, there's a possibility. We'll, we'll kind of see how it shakes out. USC definitely uses the corners um, a little differently. Than than Florida or some of the SEC schools do. So you know if you you put him in a cover two type situation, might not be such a big deal to be able to put him at corner. So there's a, there's some possibility there.
1: Okay, and this is these were from the last couple from Justin and uh, he's from near South Bend, uh, Indiana. His last one was: Can USC get a second cornerback prospect in this class, or are the Howards and Bogarts just too committed to turn?
2: That's. I mean, the guys that they're shooting for are definitely pretty high-up prospects. Um, you know, even D.J. Foster is a guy that, uh, you know, talking to a lot of people, they feel like he's a better quarterback prospect than he is uh, an offensive prospect, but he doesn't want to hear it. He wants to play offense. He wants to have the ball in his hands. He ran for 3,000 yards and 54 touchdowns as a senior, so you can kind of see why. But uh, it's just one of those situations It reminds me a lot of Adam Hall, if people remember Him, back a few years ago, uh, 6'4", 200-pound safety slash receiver, and just came out of high school and, and had crazy, insane numbers, was averaging like 10 touchdowns a game or something like that, and was like, I'm playing offense, and went to Arizona because they promised him he'd play receiver, and I don't know if he ever played receiver. He ended up playing safety almost immediately there. So it's one of those things, I think, with D.J. Foster as well. He just wants to play offense, whether that's his best position, whether he ends up there or not, remains to be seen, but that's the position he wants to be recruited at. Um, So that's another guy that, you know, down the line could be a potential corner. But as far as the guys that USC's recruiting, yeah, they're going really shooting high after guys like Tracy Howard and, and um, you know, some of these guys that are just national guys, I don't know that they're going to really have a shot at. It's really distance. It's going to be a factor, and um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, they got a good one on Keyvon Seymour. I mean, we saw him, you know, during the Army All-American Week. Hey, if you guys want to see him, if you guys want to be him for about 10 minutes, <laughs> go to the website and check out the webcam that we did with Kevon Seymour. It's awesome. It's really cool. Um, you got to watch it a couple times, too, to kind of get into it. And when I first watched it, was like, uh, you know, the camera was a little shaky and it was this and that. But, you know, when you just kind of take some time and you – You just kind of go through it, and you're kind of going through the whole practice. And he's over there, you know, with the West team, and they're hanging out in the sidelines and they're talking. You know, it kind of gave me flashbacks of playing again. It was like, wow, you know, this is kind of how it is. You know, just being on the practice field and with your boys and everything, and you know, that's kind of a cool thing. You get to be on the practice field with the Army All American team, and it's a great perspective. So, yeah, the helmet cam with Kevon Seymour, you guys got to check that out.
1: Yeah, it's definitely it's up on USCFootball.com right now, so you can go check that out. About ten minutes of Kevon running around. Um, well, Gerard, we got to a lot of stuff today. There's one more thing uh, Eric wrote in. We had a question on the podcast yesterday about which NFL team had the most Trojans. We talked about uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, they had like Keith Rivers and Ray Maluga and Frosty Rucker and I think Taylor Mays as well. But apparently uh, Eric wrote in and says Seahawks have the most, ironically, you know, with Pete Carroll being the coach up there. so That yeah, doesn't haven't,
2: surprise me. Yeah, I haven't, looked, I
1: haven't looked at all the numbers and stuff, but. Um, so I just want to let give people an update on that. But thanks again, Gerard, for coming on. We're just under an hour. That's a lot of recruiting talk. And I know I, I, we got one tweet from Harry the ASIC guy tweeted that, you know, I, I tweeted that we were taping the show and he tweeted that you need to do one of these every day. And it seems like we could, but I mean.
2: I know. We probably could. Everything changes and there's stuff going on as we speak right now. Yeah. The ninjas are out. There's Operation in and then there's another operation going on, which I can't even pronounce. We need, like, uh, you know, somebody. We need uh We need Miamke. We need our our trusty moderator from the Peristyle to be able to give us some pronunciations on some of these ninja <laughs> code names that we're going to be using here now till signing day.
1: Yeah, but I, I expect it's going to be a crazy time getting, you know, heading in towards signing day. We should know more. Definitely, we'll know more by next week. And I wanted to let people know you can. Uh, We're going to have one more show this week. Uh, We're going to do a a live show on Wednesday, 1 o'clock p.m. Pacific time from McKay's restaurant. We have Wes Horton, uh, USC defensive end. So he's going to talk about the defensive line depth, what's been going on there, what he thinks of some of the young guys, because obviously that's the the one position where USC lost some players. And, And Bruce Feldman picked USC to finish number one in 2012 in his preseason poll. So, uh, that's the one position where you know there's definitely some question marks. So we'll talk to Wes Horton on the live show. Hopefully you can check that out. Go to uscfootball.com. We'll put the replay of it up on parastylepodcast.com. I'm working on another special guest for that too, but Wes Horton will be our main guest. And Gerard will be there. So if you have any questions, we can you can put them on there live, and we'll try to answer them. We, we might have Dan Weber on too. So team questions well, are up, up.
2: how are we going to do that? How are we going to have all these? You got, you got How many guests you got lined up? You got a special guest. You got Wes Horton. You got Dan Weber, and you got me.
1: Yeah, we'll see. We're working throughout. You know, we, some guys can get bumped, but uh, we'll have...
2: If I get bumped, not a big deal. Okay. I, I'll, I can get bumped.
1: All right. Well, thanks again, Gerard, for coming on and sharing all the insights. Great stuff. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow on the live show.
2: I guess so, if I don't get bumped.
1: Yeah, you will be you'll be you're gonna be producing the show, likely, so you won't be bumped there, but you know. And then if there's any recruiting questions that come up, you can you can jump in there. But
2: there you go. We can have Wes Horton on and I'll be talking about Ellis McCarthy. that would be awesome.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Gerard, for coming on. Thanks everyone for tuning in. This has been the recruiting version of the Trojan Blast. We'll be back again next week. Our regular podcast on Monday and another Tro- Trojan Blast on Tuesday. So thanks very much for tuning in and don't forget to check out uscfootball.com for all the latest USC football and recruiting news.
0: You've been listening to the Pair Style Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.